That Sober Guy podcast contains adult content, merciless truth, and emotional nudity. Listener discretion is advised. I'm Shane Raymer. You're listening to That Sober Guy podcast, and we help people stay sober. Good to be here today. Glad you're here, too. You can check us out at thatsoberguy.com. Connect with us on Telegram and Gab at That Sober Guy Podcast. At That Sober Guy Podcast. If you got a question, a comment, you can leave us a voicemail, be part of the show. We're going to read some of those or listen to some of those today. You can do that by going to thatsoberguy.com. Click on the voicemail tab. Uh, You can also leave a a good old-fashioned message by clicking on the contact tab. If you got some feedback, you got a question, you want to say what's up, please do so. Once again, it's thatsoberguy.com. ton of good feedback from last week's show with uh, Mark and Dave. Big shout out, big thank you to both of them. We had a good time. We talked about some music, some comedy, some recovery stuff. How sobriety is going? How's it treating us? You can go back and listen to that one if you missed it. It's episode 346. Wanted to mention uh, to some of the tools that I use, some of the tools that my friends use. Uh, one of them is Daily AA Email. Uh, they got that. Uh, at, you can get it at www.dailyaaemails.com. It's in the show notes down there. Uh, it it sends a AA email right to your email box, uh, so you get it. it's one of my favorite ways to start the day, and uh, it's got some good stuff to help get you centered for the day and get on track. So be sure to check those guys out at Daily AA Email, or I say those guys, but. Uh, it is a group. They have a they have a private uh, a Facebook group, I think, too. There's all kinds of good stuff you can do in there. Also, if you're looking for a meeting, there's the Fourth Dimensioners meeting, and I'll uh, I'll have that linked in the show notes as well. It's also on the website, uh, but you can go get yourself an online Zoom meeting with anywhere from man probably sixty uh, to a hundred people on any given night. Saturday's got a speaker that uh, speaks, so you have a meeting every day. 6 o'clock Pacific time, 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, if you go in the show notes in this episode or on the website, thatsoberguy.com, you can get get the link for that too. So how are you guys doing today? I hope you're doing well. I uh, hope everything is going your way. And if it's not going your way, then just understand we got to sit in that shit. That's what I'm trying to learn. <laughs> not everything is how Shane Raymer sees it. Not everything is how Shane Raymer wants it to be. Damn it, why is it not this way? It should be like that. Damn you people. You're all wrong. I know everything. That ad, 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 that attitude. Have you heard that attitude before in your mind? Have you said it to yourself? Why is it like this? Why in the shit does it have to be this way? I'm trying to look at the glass half full these days. Looking at it half empty is pretty pretty easy. It's pretty damn depressing too. I can't do this. I can't do that. Why? Why? I get it. I feel justified in some of it. At the same time, I must learn to sit in it and be okay right where I am, right where I'm supposed to be. Look at my feet. I'm right where I'm supposed to be. One of my favorite things. But have you heard that before? Have you felt like that? Maybe you're, uh, you know, maybe you're struggling right now like I was and, uh, you know, still am some days. Some days are better than others. 
but I've uh, I've pulled through some some of the last couple of months, which were a, a bit difficult, I might add. But uh, did that by getting back connected, uh, giving it time, being patient, letting it work itself out, uh, and it seems to be a little bit better these days. So I'm glad to be back on the podcast again. I mentioned that last week. Uh, it was uh, you know I just didn't really have much to say, so I needed to needed to take a rest for a minute so I could come contribute some positive stuff uh, versus whatever I was going through at the time which uh, I don't really care to get into the details at this moment in time, but uh, maybe one day we'll talk a little bit more about that. Uh, shout out, like I said, to Dave and uh, shout out to Mark for coming on last week's show. Man, we had a really good time. That was great to just crack up about some comedy and share some stories and crack some jokes and talk a little recovery. Uh, really appreciate those guys taking their time out to come on the show, but also to kind of help me get back up and, and going again. And I think we'll do it again too. We had some great feedback from it. And uh, I think that, uh, you know, both Mark and Dave, uh, I'm sure they'd both be down, to, uh, you know, to come back on and, and do it a little bit more regularly. So we'll try to do that as well. Uh, I want to thank you guys for sending in uh, messages, both written and uh, audio. I had a, had a couple few on the old audio track there that I uh, that I wanted to play. Um, let's see, this first one. Let's check it out here. Yo, Shane, what up? Hey, why is it not playing on the board? That's weird. All right, let's try this. That was Leighton. Late, what's up, Leighton? Thank you for leaving the message. I just fucked it all up. <laughs> I'm going to do this instead. Let's go in. And I'll talk to you while I'm going into my files. He has to go into his files so he can get the audio for his audio version. And then we're going to go in and we're going to extract the MP3 for the tech. I'm trying to do all this nerd talk stuff. Let's see if this works. Let's see if this works better. Dude. Huh. Interesting. For some reason, these messages don't play. Uh, through the board right now. That's kind of whack. Whack style. And why is that? It's plugged in. It's there. It's there. There it is. Huh. Interesting. Well, Leighton and Lee both left messages. I appreciate both you guys. You know what I could do? Let's see if I can do this. Let's do this old school way. Here we go. Let's try this. podcast this morning there we go uh, i was out on my walk and was actually kind of surprised and i hadn't uh <clears throat> didn't realize that you had dropped a new episode and after i got uh, done listening to this other podcast i listened to every day all of a sudden you came on and i'm like what the fuck <laughs> looking at my uh phone i thought he was dead sure enough i was like wow new episode uh got about like maybe 25 30 minutes into it or whatever but um yeah brother man it was just good to hear your voice good to hear um that uh you know that what you just shared about that struggling man i mean between uh politics social media news everything like crazy that. Been, shit huh it's been a rough few months man and this covid shit finally just caught up to me and just destroyed me too so uh, i hope you're doing well bro. Um, i don't know man i, I need to get back better. on track here yeah, right on, man. Leighton, thank you, bro. Um, it was good to hear from you. Uh, you know, I feel you, the social media stuff. 
Um, the COVID stuff, just it's just been a lot the last year. I know everybody's kind of deal, dealing with it. Everyone's dealing with it in their own way. Um, I wish you the best, bro. I hope you get well soon if you're coming off of being sick or you know whatever that looks like or, or your family as well. Um, yeah, man, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's been, it's been crazy, man. Just crazy. But it's, it's so good to be able to connect still, man. And, um, I appreciate you just dropping, dropping a little note and hey, jump in the chat, uh, at that sober guy podcast on, uh, telegram. Um, I still haven't really figured out gab yet. I mean, I have an uh, account on there. I mentioned that in the intro. Um, but, uh, the, the, uh, what's it called? Uh, Telegram site is a little bit better. There's a, there's a chat on there too. Um, at that sober guy podcast, you can find both of them on there. I think I need to figure out if the other one's private or not. I'll, I'll look, look at that. I wanted to make it private, like for anonymity reasons, but at the same time, I want to make it public for people to jump into. Uh, so I'll check that out, but just search that. If you go on telegram, if you're new to telegram, you can go to the website and I put a link on there, how to download it. Or you can just go to iTunes or wherever you go to to download if it's still on there, actually. <laughs> um, but yeah, download the app. Um, it's it's a it's a, a live chat basically, so we can keep in touch. I think it's a. I mean, in my opinion, as far as what we do, trying to stay connected in recovery and trying to have uh, people, uh, it's a really good way to have like a group chat and just be able to hang out and and talk some shit and talk some encouragement and have some fun and uh, and stay connected. So. Check that out on, on there. Layton, thanks so much, bro, for leaving a message. I appreciate it, dude. Um, next one is Lee. Let's see if I can move this here. Hey, Shane, this is Lee Miles. Uh, I've been listening to uh, your podcast for a while now. Um, I actually sent you an email or two uh, just to reach out and say how much I appreciate what you do. So glad to see uh, you're back on the air. Um, you took a little reprieve. Um, thanks, glad you're, uh, you're feeling better, man. And, uh, yeah, just excited to see you, um, or hear you, I should say. Um, rock on, keep going, man. I love what you do. And, uh, yeah, I'll keep listening. Right on, Lee. Thanks, dude. Um, man, when I heard that come through, uh, both the messages, uh, we had a couple other ones. I'm not going to play them today, but, um, you know, those two in particular, I just appreciate the words of encouragement, the relation there, you know, that we're all kind of going through some stuff, but, uh, man, we all kind of keep each other going. And I know I didn't really realize how much of a role the podcast plays in, uh, you know, a lot of people's different recovery, but being off for a couple months, I became aware of that with the different messages and support and excitement when, uh, you know, I was able to put a podcast back out. So as much as it helps, uh, you guys out there listening, man, it, it helps me stay sober and, and be spiritually fit at the same time too. I mean, it's a, it's a piece of it. It's not everything of course, but, um, it's definitely a, a big piece of it. So Lee, once again, man, thanks dude. Thanks for taking the time to leave a message and say, what's up, dude. I appreciate it. Um, everyone else too, if you want to go leave a message, we'll periodically play them on the podcast. Uh, go to that sober click on the little voicemail tab and, uh, and you can leave one there or the contact form you can write in as well. Um, all right, let me, uh, let me click out of here. That was so weird, man. I hate when that happens. Like when you're trying to, you have one, one way, but I guess it still worked, right? Hopefully the audio was clear enough. It sounded like it was in my headphones. So we should be good there. Um, all right, let's click out of that. So I had a couple articles I wanted to go over today. Um, 
you know, and also too, I wanted to mention, I wanted to mention making amends and apologizing real quick before I get to these articles. Um, one of the things about staying connected and being, you know, or at least attempting to be in, in a spiritual, um, you know, having that spiritual connection in order to do the right thing, basically, is we can hear from God when when he speaks to us or however you might look at that. Whatever the universe, your God, um, higher power, whatever you refer to it as, when that speaks to you, when you feel that, when you hear that, when we're spiritually fit and we're in that, when we're riding that wave, we can hear it. When we're not, we can't. Like I couldn't hear it, couldn't hear anything for a few, for a few months. Um, and it was, it was weird, man. I didn't really even, you don't really realize it when you're in it too. You just know something's off. Right. Um, well I was sitting here, I was working away a few days ago and a friend of mine popped into my head just very randomly. I haven't thought about it in a minute. And it just said, Hey, you should probably apologize. <laughs> and it wasn't, Thank God we didn't have a huge blowout. You know, it wasn't this huge blowout thing and like terrible things said. But on my part, there was definitely some pride, some ego, um, some I'm right, you're wrong type of, uh, you know, type of things said. And I, I feel like I tried to do it, you know, as respectfully as possible at the time. Uh, but at the same time, when I look back now, it it wasn't it wasn't cool. Like I didn't really need to, to, to go all there. You know what I mean? And, um, so, Hey, I just sent a quick text to this person who I respect. Um, and, uh, and you know, is a friend and has been supportive in my own recovery in the show. Uh, you know, and I just said, Hey, like, I, I, I'm sorry, man. Like, I apologize. I hope that, you know, we can still be friends. And what I said, I was just going through some shit and, uh, you know, hope you can forgive me. And man, and immediately pretty much text me back and we, we chopped it up and, um, you know, we kind of, you know, it, it's, it's over, it's done. It was, it was kind of stupid anyways. And, you know, he pointed a couple things out, but man, I just want to, here's why I'm saying this is because yes, we need to, when, when we need to, um, you know, step up and owe an apology to somebody for, for doing something that, um, you know, didn't, didn't sit right. Maybe it ruined a friendship. Maybe, you know, it, maybe you were an asshole. Um, you know, it's, yes, it is about apologizing too, but it's also about getting our spirit aligned and being in the right state. We don't, we don't want to wear that stuff, all that stuff, man, that we do, those mistakes we make, the, the shit we said that we wish we didn't say, we, we wish we could take things back, you know, do things differently, why did I do that? Why did I say that? That kind of stuff builds and it wears on us. And over time, uh, it starts to build up, you know? And so as much as we owe, you know, people saying, Hey, my bad, you know, I, I apologize to you. I hope it's cool. Hopefully it, it, it says something to them, you know, and says, man, thank you. You know what I mean? They can, they can accept that apology and they can kind of move on from it too and know that you, you fucked up and that you, 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 uh, stood up to it and you admitted it and you can move on. It also helps our spirit when we can let those things go, not beat ourselves up over them, not feel guilty about them. Not, they don't, they're not buried down in the little back part of your brain or your heart and you don't even know they're bugging you. So here's the point. If you got somebody to apologize to, even if it wasn't a huge thing, or maybe it was a huge thing, just do it. Just, you know, nut up, ball up, pussy up, whatever it is, <laughs> however it is you want to look at it, 
and do it. Just say, I'm sorry. You know, Hey, I, I messed up and, uh, I'm human and, you know, move on. Cause I can tell you, you'll get some, you'll, you'll really get some relief from that. And hopefully it helps the other person get some relief and put some things in the past too. So, all right, let's move on to a couple of these. Uh, let's see, let's a couple of these articles here that I thought were interesting. Uh, one of them is McKinsey to pay $573 million to settle probes into f- the firm's first role in turbocharging opio- opioid crisis. Um, and then the other one is, uh, it's basically what I titled the show today. It's a little different, but how lockdowns and social distancing are affecting alcoholics and drug addicts in recovery. Um, this one is titled... Lockdowns, uh, lockdown measures catastrophic for recovering addicts, mental health. And I'll put both the links to both articles in the show notes if you want to go back and check them out. But let's start with this first one. I'm just going to kind of go through some of these, talk a little bit about them, give you a little info on them. They're, it's interesting stuff and it's sad stuff at the same time. There's also some good to come out of all this, of course. So uh, we'll make sure we kind of get to some of that too. But Uh, This first one, the prestigious corporate consulting firm McKinsey and company has agreed to pay up to $573 million to settle investigations into its work with big pharma, namely its role in boosting sales of the power opioid narcotic oxycodone. The company struck a multi-million dollar settlement with officials across 47 states, Washington, D.C., and five territories. Um, Let's see. The company would be required to pay $478 million of the settlement within within 60 days, which for these assholes is like a, a fucking drop in the hat, but um, it's something, I guess. Uh, much of which will go to fund... Oh, this is the good part. So much of that money is going to go to fund opioid treatment and addiction recovery programs in various states. So that's some good news right there. We're going to get an expansion with this money to help uh, get some people some help. The reported settlement comes as high-profile consulting outfit is under fire for helping to, in its own words, turbocharge sales of Purdue Pharma's OxyContin, a high-dose oxycodone formulation blamed for tens of thousands of overdose deaths in the U.S. over the last 20 years. Tens of thousands of families just losing loved ones because of this shit. And I will say from personal experience, there was a time... Uh, back before I even had kids even. So let's see, I don't know, probably 15, 12, between 12 and 15 years ago at this point, I had taken some uh, Oxycontin at one time. Um, Was in a band, bro. I was in a band and I was like, we were going to do her and I was going to play my instruments and I was going to be rich and famous and fucking take all the drugs Give them to me. Anything. That is the lifestyle I will live and lead. It is what I see on television. And it is who I will be. That was the mentality, right? We were kind of coerced and brainwashed into thinking that was, uh, you know, the right way to live. You're not worthy unless you are somebody rich, famous, and proud. And with that comes drugs and the lifestyle of alcohol and more drugs. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just giving you a little glimpse into my mindset about 12 to 15 years ago. Uh, Maybe a little longer than that even. Uh, But in any case, the Oxycontin, where does that come in? I remember taking some one time, and I think it was an 80, Oxycontin 80. I don't even think I took the whole thing. 
But holy shit, I was sick, man. And I was high as a kite. And uh, I remember that whole next day just being just jacked up. And I didn't ever take it again after that. Thank God. Because I can totally see how you can get uh, addicted to that so fast. And it's so, so, so sad. How many deaths have occurred? How many families affected? How many brothers, sisters, sons, daughters, um, and friends have been affected by it? And this damn company, you know, and there's been a lot of stuff about this has been an ongoing thing, by the way. I just happened to come across this. So I said, what the hell? Let's, let's just kind of see where it's at. Um, it, the article goes on to say oxycodone is a highly addictive narcotic with effects and potency comparable to heroin. So a lot of people will transition uh, to heroin, um, or move in and out of both. Uh, if they can't get one or the other, you know, depending on what that looks like for each person, a little bit different, I'm sure. But the, the gist of it is, yeah, they're very similar, similar effects, similar addictive traits. Uh, but as it, uh, to touch on that, let me, let me just, uh, go on to read. It says it is roughly 1.5 times stronger than morphine, which is pretty damn strong another commonly used painkiller and has plays an outside has played an outsized role in driving the US opioid crisis uh, in consulting for Purdue which is led it which is which has itself pleaded guilty to criminal charges linked to its opioids McKinsey helped company bolster helped the company bolster I oh, fuck I can't read today what the fuck oxycotton sales in a number of ways such as crafting its marketing to combat emotional messages from mothers with teenagers that overdosed on the drug according to court documents released last year McKinsey also proposed paying rebates to produce distributors for every oxycotton overdose tied to the pills they sold it is unclear if the scheme was ever pulled into action. However, with major distributors, CVS and Anthem denying they were ever compensated. You know, who the fuck really knows at the end of the day? At the end of the day, all this shit's about money. And uh, it's about money and power. Straight up. They don't give a fuck. If you're white, black, gay, straight, fat, skinny, most most of the elite at the top, whether it's big pharma, run into um, world politics, whatever it is, I've come to the general conclusion that they don't give a fuck. They, they don't. We are the people, you know, we're all different types of people from all different backgrounds, all different skin colors, all different opinions. Uh, and at the end of the day, they don't give a fuck. <laughs> they give a shit about money. That's it. That is it. And power. That is it as well. And so I want to, before I move on, I want to just say this. The recovery community is so beautiful because it makes up people from all different backgrounds, all different colors, all different religions, all different races, all different looks, you know, you know, we're 95% exactly the same. Our makeups, no matter what we are on the outside, hair color, eye color, skin color, that kind of stuff. The other 95% of our body is exactly the same. We're human beings and these people don't give a fuck. So just want to put that out there. We're all in this shit together and I refuse to be divided you know, divided up by your, you know, your, your, this background or your, that background, or you look like this, or you went to, you went here. Like, I just, I can't play that shit because at the end of the day, how many people died from these pills? Did those pills, did, did, did that person say this pill go, Oh, this is a white person. He is going, this is a black person. This is a gay person. If the pills didn't give a fuck, they didn't care who it was. It just, they just, you know, they just took lives and these assholes at the top got paid out the ass for it. And they continue to do so. So fuck them. All right. 
While McKinsey, a multi-billion dollar firm, will admit to no wrongdoing in the settlement, it has previously acknowledged errors in its work with Purdue issuing a rare apology in December. Oh, you know what? Take your apology and stuff it in a sack, asshole. (laughs) That was from Pineapple Express. Stuff your apologies in a sack, man. Something like that. I wish I had the sample. As we look back... Uh, as we look back at our client service during the opioid crisis, we recognize that we did not we did not adequately acknowledge the epidemic unfolding in our communities or the terrible impact of opioid abuse and addiction on millions of families across the country. Nah, you did. You just didn't give a fuck because you were worried about your bottom line. The company will, however, agree to court-ordered restrictions related to certain types of narcotics and to retain its internal communications for a period of five years in case of future probes. All right. It is unknown whether they went on to destroy any records. Blah, blah, blah. At the end of the day, your sorries mean nothing to the families who lost loved ones to the shit. So what's the moral of the story? Don't do drugs, number one. Okay. I know that's easier said than done sometimes for a lot of us. Otherwise, we wouldn't be in this situation in the first place. I get it. Here's the other moral of the story. If you're struggling, reach out. If you know someone who has a pill problem, an Oxycontin problem, a Vicodin problem, whatever it is, opiate problem, reach out for some help. I put the link down here uh, in the show notes uh, to the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline as well that was also uh, mentioned in the article at the bottom here. I didn't I didn't get to the links in there, but I, I put them in our links Man, if you're having, you know, a tough time, reach out, reach out to somebody. We got tons of resources. I talked about them in the beginning of this. Uh, Let me give a shout out to Promises too. I meant to do that in the beginning, uh, but Promises Behavioral Health, another awesome company that we've partnered with for a long time. Um, You know, shout out to the team there, to to Carly, to Kathy. Um, They're great too. They're still up on our website. You can go there. You can reach out to them if you want to get some professional help. Uh, they can lead you in the right direction. Um, all kinds of stuff, meetings, whatever it is. If you're struggling, reach out. People are tired. Uh, people are tired of losing people to addiction. And man, crazy stuff. Crazy, crazy stuff. Hey, at least they're paying some money. At least they're, you know, at least there's some repercussions. I don't think they, you know, they add up to um, a very minuscule. I like that word, minuscule amount of what was really a you know, what really happened, but at least it's something. All right, let's go on to this next article here. Uh, This one is titled lockdown measures catastrophic for recovering addicts and mental health. Um, I thought this one was important. It gives a little background. You get, there's a couple stories in here about what people have been going through uh, as this last year's kind of unfolded. You know, a lot of meetings were closed uh, in-person meetings, at least. So it, it pushed a lot of people into zoom meetings or digital meetings, which to be honest, I wasn't a fan of at first. And I think it was more being able to find an excuse as, as to why I didn't need to go to a meeting. Cause I fuck that. It's on, it's digital. It's a waste of time. This and that I'm on the computer all day. Anyways. I mean, think of any excuse at the, at the end of it though, just in my meeting last week, um, what was that? What's, what's today? today. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, earlier, no earlier this week, I think, um, someone said that how a couple people actually said how much 
the Zoom meetings, how much the digital meetings have been helping them. And um, it's, you know, it, we have a smaller group meeting in this. It's a men's stag one. Shout out to all the homies in that, in both of those groups, Mondays and Tuesdays. Appreciate you guys. And uh, it's been helping me like big time. Um, and being somewhere, being involved, being connected, even if it's through Zoom, is is something. And it's all about how we frame it up. It's all about how we look at it. So we can choose to say, oh, man, fuck that. I want to go to a regular meeting. I get it. I want to go to a regular meeting too. As a matter of fact, I think there's some meetings in Vacaville here that are open. I just haven't got around to checking it out yet because I've been a lazy ass. I heard in the last couple of weeks, though, that that some of the rooms opened up, which is great. Um, but point being, how how has this affected every? It's you know it's affected everybody a little bit different and a little bit the same. I feel like, which is kind of an odd statement. It seems counterproductive, but um, you know a lot of us are going through a lot of the sim- similar things. And how's it affecting you? Like, what have you gone through? What what are you seeing? Like, what is your take on this? You know. And so let's go over some of this article. I'll, we'll talk a little bit about it. I'll kind of give a little bit of my take on it, and then. <laughs> we'll go from there. <laughs> Fucking piece of shit. Burping, man. What a just unprofessional prick. Overseeing sober living homes for newly recovering drug drug addicts is difficult in the best of times. Oh yeah, one more time. Lockdown measures catastrophic for recovering addicts and mental health. Links in the show notes. Let me start over. Overseeing sober living homes for newly recovering drug addicts is difficult in the best of times. Absolutely it is. But the endless shutdowns have created conditions that are challenging for healthy people, let alone those who are fresh out of rehab, vulnerable, and still reeling. You know, I could not imagine that in the beginning, trying to get sober in 2020. Like, mad props to you if you got sober in 2020 or you're getting sober right now. That is a hell of a year to pick to quit drinking and doing drugs. <laughs> like I, you know, I got sober in 2013 and that was hard as shit. I cannot imagine doing it in, you know, in the middle of all the shit that's gone on in the last year. So just big air hug to you, air high five, much love and keep it up. Uh, Matt Royce, 35 overseas, seven sober living homes in Minneapolis. All of his houses, each holding between nine and 13 people have been pretty full the whole time. No overdose deaths had occurred in his homes in almost three years, but last summer he lost two people, while another three were revived from overdoses with opioid blocker Narcan. Uh, Depression has skyrocketed since the lockdowns began, Royce said. Recovering addicts are struggling even more now due to boredom, inability to see family and friends, lack of social activities. A lot of these guys and girls, they just need the simple things in life. And when they're prohibited from being able to get those things, it's tough, Roy said. Hopefully this changes sooner sooner rather than later because I can't, I can't even tell you how many times I was dealing with relapses every single day of the week, heavily, heavily from June all the way through October. I, it was nonstop. It was definitely more than normal. There's no doubt about that. Nationally, drug overdoses, uh, drug overdose deaths are at historic highs. In lockstep with widespread shutdown measures, overdose deaths accelerated, especially between March and May of last year, according to an emergency health advisory issued by the CDC uh, and Prevention on December 17, 2020. Check this out. This is crazy. It's fucking shitty, too. More than 81,230 people died from a drug overdose between June 1st, 2019 and May 31st, 2020. Let me read you that shit again. Those are people. Those are people's loved ones. Those are families. Those are friends, human beings. 
More than 81,230 people died from a drug overdose between June 1st, 2019 and May 31st, 2020. The CDC provisional data shows. The final number, which is up 18% over the same period the year prior, is expected to be higher. So at the end, which they don't have those numbers yet, it looks like, and this article came out just a few weeks back. Um, once they get those numbers, they're expecting it to be higher than the 81,230, which is insane. This represents a worsening of the drug overdose epidemic in the United States and is the largest number of drug overdoses for a 12-month period ever recorded. Damn. The largest number of of drug overdoses for a 12-month period ever recorded. That's insane. It's very, very sad what's going on, Roy said. I wish I could reach into my pocket and give everybody a little piece of what I had. Uh, was able to grasp onto and let everybody know you're not alone in this. Just hold on. Let's, you know, that's a great, that's a great point. Let me, let me stop right there for a second. So he just did reach into a pocket, reach into his pocket and give a little piece of what he has. You're not alone in this. And I, I say that often too. try to remind people of that. You're not alone. Like there's somebody going through this shit. There's somebody who, who like, I feel like a lot of people don't get me wrong. There's people who just don't, you know, they're content where they're at. They want to keep getting high. There's a lot of people who want to stop, but just don't know how. They just they just can't. They're so addicted to it. That's the sad shit. I mean, it's all sad, but that's the tough one, right? So let's speak to those people. Let me speak to those people a little bit. If you're struggling right now, you're back and forth. Um, you have to get connected to people. You have to get around other people who are able to stay sober who are able to build you up, who are able to encourage you, you know, listen to a podcast every day, go to a meeting every day, reach out to somebody every day, like stay connected in that time every single day. And there's not really a way to do it one foot in and one foot out. You can't half-ass this shit. I tried it. You know, I tried to go back and forth. I tried to own, just like the big book says, I drank on only on weekends or, you know, I only... I only drank uh, beer and wine, you know, or, you know, just all the things. I'm only going to smoke weed, all the things back and forth, you know, and and there, it nothing worked until I pushed my chips all up in the, the middle and was like, dude, I'm all in. I'm done. I can't do this anymore. You know, so I like both those points. You're not alone, you know, to Royce's point in the article. And then for me, to somebody listening, like you got to get connected, like the, the fourth dimensioners meeting, get plugged into that every night, make it your, make it your daily deal. If you're really trying to quit right now and you just can't, you got, you got to show up, you got to put some work in, you're going to have to commit hundred percent. So show up to that 6 PM Pacific, 9 PM Eastern meeting every night, you know, do it every night and start meeting some people, you know, everyone's cool as fuck. I promise, dude, I've never met I mean, I've met some weird people in recovery, no doubt, but weird's not bad. You know, it's just, they're, people are different sometimes. It's not a bad thing necessarily. Um, you know, you don't vibe with everybody. That's normal. You don't have to, you know, you're not going to be best buddies with everybody, but I can tell you, I've met some of the coolest people in recovery. I met some of the most loyal people, some of the most, um, loving people who give you the shirt off their back to help you stay sober, to help you, to help encourage you, to help you up, you know, to help you keep going. Like that's what it's about. That's what's going to get you sober. It ain't, it ain't doing it on your own because it's more or less like for me, it's not so much even about the alcohol. It is. 
I mean, that's a point of it. Yeah, I, I, you know, I just, I can't drink like other people, plain and simple. But it's more about how, learning how to live life and not having to use substances to numb out, which, which I might add, I still do do sometimes. I chew tobacco sometimes. I'm not perfect. Like, I'm, you know, it's, that's a, a vice of mine. I quit for, I quit smoking cigarettes. I haven't smoked a cigarette since I went to rehab seven years ago, over seven years ago. Okay, I quit chewing a couple years ago. And then at the beginning of when all this stuff started last year, I I started chewing again and I noticed that it got um it progressed just like anything, right? You know, and, and I started chewing more stress. You know, maybe maybe people if you're sober, maybe you smoke cigarettes, so you're still smoking and stuff. Just there there's something about vices that, you know, maybe it's food. Another one. I think I had mentioned that many times in the past too. So we're human beings. Okay. We, we tend to want to use things to numb out shopping. That's another one buying shit that I don't need. Um, but it's fun at the time. You know, these are all things that we use as coping tools to deal with life. We're not perfect. I'm not perfect, but what I'm trying to do is get a little bit better at it each, you know, each day, I guess, and try to keep moving forward and, Fucking cars going by and hell aloud trying to be spiritually uh, connected to where I, I'm in a good place where I don't, you know, I don't have to lean on that stuff all the time. Like I, I'm going to be honest, dude. I like to have a chew sometimes. Like, I don't know. This is where I'm at right now. It's fucking, it helps relax me a little bit while I'm working, um, you know, mowing the lawn. I don't know what, maybe one day I'll quit. Hopefully my fucking lip doesn't fall off. You know, but point being is whatever it is that we're using, we're using it as a tool, uh, you know, to kind of numb out with. And when we can get around people, you know, to help us through some of that stuff and talk about some of the stress, some of the things we're going through, instead of only relying on that drug or that alcohol or even that chew, for instance, um, that's how we can start to overcome some of the stuff. You know, and I don't have all the answers. I hope I'm not trying to sound like I do, like I like I know everything. I, fu- I absolutely do not. Um, a little bit of personal experience I'm trying to share, uh, you know, and and I'll keep coming back to it. And let me, and then we'll get to the rest of this article. Is that I know for a fact when you're around people, when you're in community, when you're connected, when you're going to meetings, um, you're gonna have your, your chances of staying sober and and making some changes and being successful at it are gonna be. Um, times a thousand better. So, you know, stay connected. Um, goes on to say Royce will be four years drug free on February 20th. Nice dude. So congrats to, uh, to big Royce, dude. That's awesome. Coming up the person in this article, or maybe he'll listen to this one day. Who knows? Congrats. He started smoking pot at age 13, dabbled into party drugs, such as cocaine and mushrooms until he discovered opioids. I didn't try drugs just for the fun of it. I tried drugs because I wanted to escape life. Does that sound familiar to any of you listening? Sounds familiar to me. And even at 13 years old, I hated life. He said, damn, that's young to hate life and to be pissed off and confused. I think that was about where I was too at 13. Angry, confused, um, and I wanted to escape. And uh, I feel like many of us have those same types of feelings and can relate to that at 21 an appendix surgery sent Royce into a 10 year spiral with prescription opioid painkillers 
They gave me 160 10 milligram Percocets. Damn, which is insane. That, that is insane. Nobody in the world needs that much for surgery, but I went. No one in the. Wait, how did I read that wrong? They gave me 160. Damn, that is a lot. 10 milligram Percocets. I mean, nobody in this world needs that much for the surgery that I went through. I can literally recall back to only needing maybe two or three pills. I was literally within the first 20 or 30 of, the, of those pills for sure that I was completely hooked. In just under two weeks, that prescription was out and I was able to refill another 100. Damn. So a surgery, like many, you know, I was in, I was in a treatment with a doctor that was in there actually. Can't remember his name now. Super nice guy too. But he was a doctor who had, you know, he prescribed the same type of shit to people for surgeries, all kinds of stuff. Um, and he got hooked on painkillers as well. That's what he was in rehab for. And he was a doctor, man. So, I mean, it happens to everybody, you know, back to the non-discriminatory thing. It doesn't give a fuck what you are, who you are, or where you come from, how much money you have or how much you don't, you know? Royce goes on to say, I was hooked on those things for 10 straight miserable years of my life. Damn, 10 years hooked. It was fairly easy for Royce to get his hands on more pills after the refills ran dry as his extended family was supplying them. That helped keep him out of jail and conviction free, which is uncommon for a decade long opioid addiction. It was also one reason he avoided heroin. 80% of new heroin users begin their addiction with painkillers. Damn, 80%. So 80% of people uh, start with painkillers and move on to heroin. And many of those do not make it through. Eventually, the cost gets too high or it's too hard to source the pills. Users turn to heroin. It's cheaper. Probably easier to get on the street, too. The number one reason I didn't branch out to heroin because I was terrified of it. I thought the only way to do heroin was through a needle. If I'd have known that you could have snorted it, it's hard to say, but I most likely would have went to it and I would have known. And if I would have known that a hundred dollars of heroin is equivalent to about $400 in pills, I probably would have went to it. Damn. Toward the end of his addiction, Royce was taking opioids and methamphetamines. He was living with his girlfriend, also an addict, and their two little girls ages 5 and 18 months. Dude, that's sad. We don't talk about that enough, too. How about all the kids that are affected by the shit? Their parents overdosed and died. They live in these fucked up environments with these you know, parents who are addicted and who can't seem to get off the dope, you know? And there's neglect and, man, go down the list. I, gosh, it's just fucking terrible. Pisses me off, actually. It makes me sad at the same time. I couldn't even move. I recall my little one-and-a-half-year-old daughter walking over to me and rubbing my kneecap saying, Daddy, it'll be okay. Okay, Daddy, it'll be okay. Because I'm sitting there bawling my eyes out. Bawling my eyes out in agony and pain, but also bawling my eyes out because I didn't want to die. And then bawling my eyes out because I wanted to die in front of my little girls. Damn. So maybe shit. Like many opioid addicts, Royce perceived death to be a more favorable option than going through withdrawal. So that shit is so strong, so powerful, so physically debilitating, so mentally debilitating that many people would rather die 
than go through the withdrawals because they're that shitty. I never did heroin. Thank God. I don't know. It's not my drug of choice, but I have heard, you know, my aunt, uh, I had her on the podcast when I first started it a long time ago. Aunt Wanda, awesome lady, struggled with over a 20-year heroin addiction. And I think she shared going through some of the withdrawals on there. And it was, uh, man, dude, I mean, anybody who's done heroin, even actually, I just had a buddy who I talked to just a week ago. I didn't actually know this about him, but he had mentioned that he went through heroin withdrawals and it was just fucking brutal. Um, and like, like Roy says, you'd rather die almost. I mean, that's terrible. In my withdrawals, I would go into convulsions. I would literally shake nonstop until I was finally able to get my fix. Each drug has its own anchor, but the opiates, I mean, I never felt anything powerful like that before. The only way out I saw was death. And then Royce's father. So let's, let's get to some good part of this. I think we get the point here that this shit is just, man, it's heavy. It's hard to stop, easy to start. And uh, once you start, it's hard to turn back. Um, Royce's father uh, provided some some things to change his life. Said, so I'll never forget that morning. My father knocked on the door and he said, either you get your, it says expletive, but I'm going to say, either you get your shit together right now or I'm taking your kids and you'll never see them again. Damn. Dad wasn't playing. Royce said, and I believed my dad because he's not one to just say it and not do it. That morning, Royce made the decision he was taken to a treatment center where he spent four days detoxing and three months in a residential treatment center. I got tired of the pain, tired of the darkness, tired of the hurting. I got tired of all the selfish stuff for myself, but then I got tired of bringing help on the darkness of the pain of my daughters. That's what really, really helped. He said, so when I, when I look back at that and I see what that, that, because people ask me sometimes too, well, like, what did it for you? Like, why did you finally go decide to get some help? And like, I was just exhausted, like literally tired, exhausted, overwhelmed. Um, I, I couldn't take it anymore. It felt like just the weight was, was waning on me and I needed, uh, I, I knew that I knew that God had something more for my life and for my family's life, for my kids, you know, for, uh, for us. And I knew that the path I was going down was not going to bear that fruit. hundred percent. Like I was going down a path of some rotten ass shit. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and I knew that something bad was going to happen, like really bad. I had this weird gut feeling at the time and, uh, it, it was something that I never, you know, I can't explain it other than being God or, or something higher that just was like, if you don't get some help now, like you're going to die or like something really bad's about to happen. And so thank God I, I, you know, took that route, but you know, back to the point, I was exhausted. I was over it. I was so tired of living like that. I just didn't care anymore. And someone asked me earlier in the week, like about friends, they were having some issues with friends. Uh, you know, and, and like when we get sober, sometimes our friends, our family, they don't understand and stuff. And, you know, I, I was thinking back and it was like, I just, I didn't give a shit like what anybody thought. I didn't give a shit. What the only, I, I cared what my family thought. I cared what my wife thought, of course, you know, and, and of course my, my kid where I only had Lucy at the time. Um, and you know, I, I cared what I wanted them to support me and, and, you know, have faith that I could do this and, and get some help and change and all that kind of crap on the other side, like my, you know, people at work, um, friends, like I didn't give two shits what anybody thought because I was that desperate to get the help that I needed. And I think that attitude helped to motivate me to, you know, to stick with it and to go 
you know, and, and to, uh, so if you're feeling that exo- exhaustion, I guess, man, like I felt it too. Like this dude Royce in the article here felt it. Um, you know, it's, it's common that, that cycle, it's like groundhog day. You wake up saying you're going to, you know, quit or you're not going to do the same shit you did yesterday. And by noon, you're doing the same shit. And it's just this repetitive cycle. Um, you just got to reach out. You got to reach out and, and get, get some help. So I'm going to wrap this up here in just a second. Let me kind of skim through here. Um, basically, uh, Royce went to treatment. Uh, he moved to a sober living home after he got the treatment uh, he got a job, started playing some basketball again. Awesome. See, I love that dude. I love that right there. Played basketball. Cause I bet you I'm willing to bet. It doesn't say anything. This in, it doesn't say anything in here about this, but I bet you Royce possibly used to be a basketball player. Maybe he played in high school, little college, who knows? Maybe he just loved to play. And what happens is when we get addicted, when we start getting responsibilities, you know, whether we're maintaining and we're still addicted or not, we stop doing a lot of the things, or if we're just completely fucking gone, you know, we stop doing the things that we used to love to do. Maybe for Royce, it was basketball, you know, maybe for you, um, it's mountain biking. I don't know. You know, everyone knows I got a mountain bike with a helmet, right? Haven't rode it in a while. I need to get my ass out. But maybe it's, uh, you know, playing indoor soccer. Maybe it's backpacking, hiking, camping. Um, maybe it's playing basketball too. Maybe it's playing in a softball league. Or uh, maybe there's shit that you used to do, you know, when you were a kid. You used to skate. You used to ride bikes. Uh, you used to um, play racquetball. I mean, I don't know. Maybe you just used to exercise, work out, lift weights. And, like, once you got addicted... And once that started, you stopped doing it. Maybe you used to like to single ski behind the ski boat. Water ski, baby. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe you did. Maybe you were a single fucking badass skier and you shred the gnar on the lake. But then you got addicted or you, you got an alcohol problem and you stopped doing all that fun shit. Number one, we're never too old. Just want to remind you of that. I'm never too old. I'll always try new shit. And you should too. And if you're coming off of something or maybe there's something you never did and you're like, man, I really want to try that. Try it, try it out, get back into it. It makes you feel young again. makes you feel like a kid. It's awesome. Royce begged the treatment center, uh, to step in. Oops. I think I skipped ahead a little bit after. Okay. Wait, the house manager. Oh God. So the house manager relapsed that he was in and started shooting up heroin with everyone except Royce and one other person. Holy shit. I missed that. Damn. So this dude was in a sober living home and the, and the freaking manager relapsed and started shooting up. That's crazy. Royce begged the treatment center to step in. They eventually did. And they made him the house manager. That's awesome. He cleaned up the house. And over the next few months, he realized he was good at counseling the other residents when they came to him. See, look, he's helping somebody else. That's one thing. Shout out to buddy. Always love, always love Mr. Buddy. Buddy C, my sponsor, many, many people's sponsors. Uh, good dude always says that, Hey, if you're struggling with something, go help someone else. <laughs> Plain and simple. Look at, that's what Royce did. I mean, the concept there is pretty simple. It's biblical too. So he starts helping the other residents in there. And at one year sober, the mindless warehouse job gave way. I guess, I think I, I must've missed that. He had got a job in a warehouse. Um, the mindless warehouse job gave way to a job at the treatment center. And Royce knew he'd found his calling. Then 10 days later, one more incident cemented his drive to help other addicts. Royce was called home at 11 a.m. one morning to meet with an inspector. 
Two of his housemates told him that another housemate had been in the in the bathroom for two hours. Royce knocked on the door, no response. He banged and yelled, no response. He kicked the door down and found the man slumped over the toilet. His face was purple and he was foaming out of the mouth. Damn. I grabbed the Narcan and I proceeded to give him three Narcan shots in his thigh. And the third Narcan, all of a sudden, I heard him take a gasp of breath. And that, seeing him come to, it brought this overwhelming sense of relief, sadness, and anger all at the same time. The paramedics arrived and the man survived. Damn. Insane, dude. He said, I went into a mild panic attack because I couldn't believe that there was a life that was literally in my hands. Never seen anyone overdose. I'd never seen almost death like that before in my life. So it was very, very fresh for me. And that was sure the defining moment for me is for why I do what I do now, not only for myself and my daughters, but for others as well, because other people have kids and other people have family members that depend on them and want to see them succeed. Helping others and dealing with those who relapse solidifies Royce's resolve to never return to that lifestyle. He sees his girls almost every day, has a close relationship with his father, as well as the girl's mother, who also got clean too. It's freaking awesome. It's a great story. Oh man, dude. Yeah. It's a freaking awesome story, dude. I mean, that's the whole, it's like the hero's journey in, in some sense, that formula to it. You know, he was jacked up, got his life back on track, started helping people, continues to help people. Um, and, uh, dude, I mean, that's, that's what it's about helping others. Uh, the end of this article says mental health experts have been warned, uh, have been warning officials for months about the effects that lockdowns have on drug use and suicide rates. Um, to put all this into perspective, I believe it's important to point out that that uh, pre-coronavirus, uh, we, we lose 120,000 lives a year to drug overdoses and suicide. How many more lives are we willing to sacrifice in the name of containing the virus, says McCants Katz, Assistant Secretary for Mental Health and Substance Abuse at the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. She's also a psychiatrist and holds a doctorate in infectious disease epidemiology. Um, that's a good point too. And I, I've talked about that on, on here before is, is the solution worse than the problem? Whole different conversation. Not going to get into it right now, but I think it's a very valid point. Um, she goes on to say as a psychiatrist, I'd argue that life lost to suicide is just as important as life lost to coronavirus. Um, I ask that you take into account the whole health, not just one narrow aspect of physical health. Um, I put the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline in here. It's 1-800-273-TALK. Always important. If you're struggling right now, uh, I hope you enjoyed the article too. I know uh, I was, you know, I, it was a little longer than I thought, but I think it's a great story. I think Royce is just an example of how many people are out there who are actively in an addiction or the many awesome people too. Everybody's awesome, by the way, not just, you know, the, but a little, little pump up for the people who have gotten sober, right? Who have... Uh, been able to, to clean it up and turn around and help some other people. It's freaking amazing. Um, what's the point to all this, man, you're the point, your loved one is the point. Um, you know, we, the recovery community is the point. Um, we got to stick together. The shit doesn't discriminate, doesn't care where you're from, what you look like, what you do. Uh, you know, if you need some help, go to that soberguy.com. There's resources on the tab. Um, you can find the meeting on there. You, uh, the fourth dimensioners meeting 6 p.m. Pacific time, 9 p.m. Eastern. Man, I'll put the show notes in the article. 
Appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Leave us a uh, message on the website, a voicemail, a contact form at that sober guy podcast on Telegram and Gab. I love you guys. Peace, love, and respect to you and yours. Keep your blood clean.